0: Welcome back to the Persistence Mastery Podcast. This episode is going to be on negotiation. An essential skill, whether you're in sales, trying to get that new job, or another situation, this is an essential skill in communication that when we really lean into it and make ourselves better at it, we start to make ourselves from an amateur to a stronger professional. There's a really good book called Negotiating the Non-Negotiable by Daniel Shapiro. It's interesting when you read negotiation. Now, as somebody who's been on the front lines, B2B sales, you start to kind of think you're going to get some tips and tricks and maybe some interesting transition phrases to get better at negotiation. Interestingly enough, this book really focuses, for the majority of it, about internal negotiation. What do I mean when I say that? Negotiation starts with us. One of the acronyms I found a lot of value in in reading that book was the brave analogy. Now I'm gonna speak to negotiation in terms of internal because a lot of what we go into with this skill is made up in our own head. A lot of fear, false evidence appearing real. But in that book, I really valued this analogy. He said, everybody is made up of the brave analogy which stands for the B for beliefs, the R for rituals, the A for allegiances, which is your loyalties to a group, the V for values, and the E for emotional experiences. So for this first part of this podcast episode, we're gonna be talking about the internal side. And that's the first thing I want you to kind of embrace, the brave analogy, beliefs, rituals, allegiances, values, and emotional experiences. Whenever you go into any negotiation, with yourself or another person. But negotiation, again, it starts with us first. The book, Negotiating the Negotiable, also speaks to something called the tribal mind, which happens when we have a threat that elicits the tribe's effect. There are three areas that kind of create this for us when it comes to internal negotiation. Self-righteousness, adversarial, and having a closed mind typically can create the tribe's effect. Now, a threat to the identity will trigger the tribe's effect, but respect for the identity produces a cooperative connection. Let me say that again. While a threat to the identity will typically trigger the tribe's effect, we're speaking of internal negotiation now, respect for the identity produces cooperative connection, which is a really fancy way of saying adjust your behavior so to communicate with someone else someone who's being discertified like myself that can come kind of naturally through so many consultations and trainings but it's still an ongoing process for myself as it is for many of us who are valuing this content to enhance our communication skills now i'm going to speak to i can't speak to everything i recommend you pick up negotiating the non-negotiable and lean into the content of that book but i do want to speak to a few areas about the tribal mind so let's talk about one area called emotional vertigo here's how i can simplify this term have you ever had a conflict discussion with someone that you thought was going to take a short amount of time but ended up taking a significant more amount of time that's typically emotional vertigo is how they use that term And there's five strategies to actually break free of this situation when it comes to internal negotiation. Strategy number one is don't allow conflict to consume your communication. Common sense, but common sense is not always common. Number two, eliminate self fulfilling prophecies to avoid viewing staff as adversaries. I'm confident that if this episode hits your radar, you're probably have been in a situation where you had a difficult coworker and it was very challenging to work with them because every time you saw that email, you rolled your eyes or you thought this person again. Well, that's strategy number two. You wanna eliminate self-fulfilling prophecies to avoid that person as an adversary. Because if we don't, they're always gonna be framed that way and not allow future opportunities to create cooperation. It'll stay in a constant state of conflict. Number three, you got to recognize an emotional battle versus a difference of opinion. Is this an emotional discussion or just simply a difference of opinion? When I first got into sales, I remember attending a seminar. I was flown to Canada, and one line that stayed with me was, when emotions are high, intelligence is low. Let me say that again. When emotions are high, intelligence is low, which essentially means, We have to keep ourselves calm and collected, even when we can feel that stirring inside our chest or that stress in your chest. Number four, change subjects. Sometimes there's just some conversations not worth having. Or sometimes there's just, myself as a trainer, there are situations I will tell people, and I I don't do it in a disrespectful way, but occasionally there'll be side conversation at a break, while I'm training, etc. Or I'll get a phone call. And somehow, always, at some point, somebody will bring up a topic around politics or religion. This happens a lot. And I'll simply say this, you know, I I can't lean into this conversation. And people will look at me like, well, why? And I'll respond with, because if I lean into this, and you don't like what I have to say about a very hot topic that can have a lot of emotion around it, I lose my ability to influence quality training content today. And because I value you and I value the attendees today, I can't lean into that topic because I value influencing the skills I'm trying to educate on today. That's how I'll handle that in a polite way where it doesn't typically offend or come across disrespectful. Number five, alter the environment. Sometimes just altering the environment is a great way to break free of emotional vertigo. So again, when we're speaking to emotional vertigo that triggers the tribal mind, the five strategies are number one, do not allow conflict to consume your communication. Number two, eliminate self-fulfilling prophecies to avoid viewing staff and others as adversaries. Number three, recognize an emotional battle versus a difference of opinion. Number four, change the subjects. Number five, alter the environment. So we spoke to some content around internal negotiation. And to kind of recap that area, negotiation starts with you. So it starts with you, how you view yourself, how you view yourself going in to the negotiation. And those are the brave analogy and breaking the emotional vertical is really just some surface level information to start. But again, pick up. Negotiating the non-negotiable. Well, let's shift here to some external negotiation content. This comes from thousands of consultations, trainings I've done. So let's talk about eye contact. So if somebody looks up and to the right, they're usually imagining something when negotiating with you. We're gonna speak to more of a video call where someone shares their camera now or a face-to-face situation. So again, if somebody looks up and to the right, they're usually trying to imagine an image. If they look horizontally to the right, they're usually trying to think of a sound. But if they look down into the right, they're processing their feelings or having that kinesthetic moment with you to better understand or interpret the information. You see this a lot mostly where people look down to the right the most when it comes to viewing body language on the surface. But look up and to the left is they're thinking of a past memory directly to the left, horizontally past sound, or they look down and to the left, they're having an internal monologue with themselves or conversation. Now, as I've said before, I train on human behavior skills to raise customer service CES scores and lower conflict in the workplace. What I typically hear about my trainings is a lot of people will look down into the right mostly or look down into the left. When it comes to all the eye contact stuff, I probably would just look at those two situations the most. So again, looking down to the right, kinesthetic feelings, looking down to the left, they're having an internal conversation with themselves. Now, you might be saying, well, what do I do when I notice that? Or I see that little type of moment, that microsecond situation, silence. Silence is your best friend. If you can recognize, you can adapt. Let me say that again. If you can recognize, you can adapt recognize their process and their feelings or recognize them let them have that internal conversation because if you interrupt it or break it it can start to harm the negotiation whatever the situation may be now when it all comes to ne- external negotiation we're also going to talk about micro expressions a micro expression is a display that lasts for a second and this takes a lot of time and it can be misinterpreted pretty quickly. One thing I'll say if you feel you might be misinterpreting someone's micro expression via facial features we're speaking about when I say micro expression, just simply ask an open ended question in a polite way. Here are the seven type of micro expressions that are typically on the surface when it comes to external negotiation there's fear which looks like a surprised look anger eyebrows are down and close together disgust conveyed by lifting up the upper lip, surprise raised eyebrows wide eyes and open mouth or contempt which is typically communicated by a sneer or sadness upper eyelids are drooping eyes are on focus lips are slightly turned down and happiness those are the seven types of micro expressions now I have a very animated face. I can tell you that from experience. And I've been accused in video calls and others that my micro expression is showing anger or disgust. It actually is not what I was feeling on the inside, believe it or not. So if you feel that you're in a situation where you see a micro expression and you interpret it, here's a pro tip. And I mentioned it a little bit a while ago simply ask an open ended question to kind of better understand where they may be just a simple open ended question might be i just want to do i just want to do a temperature check i just want to do a temperature check real quick how are you feeling how is this negotiation so far if you're really unsure it's okay to slow things down and do a temperature check you don't want to misread the situation if you see a micro expression that could irritate you leaning with your open-ended questions skill now another thing when it comes to external negotiation now i don't personally know if colors are a big part of external negotiation, but in doing some research, I felt that this was worth mentioning because it was very enlightening to me. So if somebody's wearing red, that typically means they want power, strength, or energy. You know, you see that a lot in certain business shows, somebody's wearing a red tie. Orange is typically associated with cheerful fun, something summer vacation, relaxation. Yellow is energetic or even intellectual when it comes to external negotiation, recognizing colors with this person. Green is fertility, growth and harmony. Blue, my favorite color. And if you ever go on Persistence master, you'll notice I like the color blue or I try to put that in there on some level. It means stability, trust, loyalty and provides the connotation that someone's wise, intelligent, confident and honest. I, that's actually my favorite color. Purple is with nobility, luxury, and ambition, which is associated with royalty. White is good and pure and clean. Pretty simple there. And black is typically associated with elegance and formality when it comes to professional negotiation. So now what I want to do is give you some knowledge points around the subject matter of negotiation this will have a blend of some internal and external content so knowledge point one fear and anger are the emotional roadblocks that immediately will end negotiations if you come into these negotiations with fear and anger that can be a huge emotional roadblock that can lead to ending the negotiation an experienced negotiator eliminates those roadblocks to be more effective, or other roadblocks. Individuals that have more substantial buy in from a perspective of investment, not costs, are more effective when it gets to the subject matter of price. You know, when I facilitate sales training, I'll say, say, investment. Cost is associated with loss, investment is associated with gain. So when I ask for the sale, once you've earned enough right to do that through asking quality questions in the discovery phase, communicate it in terms of investment of return to the customer or prospect. We influence the emotions of others when we have more control over our own, which is why we started this podcast episode around the importance of internal negotiation. Recommending negotiating the non-negotiable by Daniel Shapiro. Successful negotiations replace the word no with this is what we can do. No will kill a lot of consultative selling. It'll kill a lot of communication in other areas too. But instead of saying no with this is what we can do. Well, here's what we can do to get to that solution. It moves things along instead of just putting a complete stop. Expert negotiators create urgency An effective technique is setting Timelines. Now, open ended questions. I've recommended spin selling to create urgency, prioritize the customer, gain more commitments. But another way you can create urgency outside of that skill is set timelines around next steps in a process. Or if you're interviewing for a job, know those timelines. Well, when is the next step for us to reconnect? What are your next steps for me in the process? Evaluate if the body's gestures are aligned with what the customer's feeling. We spoke about micro expressions earlier to that knowledge point. 10% of communication is words alone. Voice tone and physical gestures make up 90%. Now this podcast is on communication skills. So that's a huge point for you to walk away with. And when we reveal an individual's motivation, we enhance our position in the negotiation. Let me say that again. When we reveal an individual or a company or team's motivation, we enhance our position in the negotiation. A couple other things. Do not give anything away for free. Now we're speaking more of a professional setting. Given a discount without the client, Challenge you can devalue service. You know, I'll say no fee instead of free. Let me say that again, no fee instead of free. So I don't like the word free, especially in a professional sales process. setting when I facilitate that content, free can devalue you. But saying no fee can show more posture. Do not reveal your bottom line. You want to give yourself room in a negotiation. And here's how you can avoid regret. Here are the three trade questions to keep in mind when you go to give that proposal around negotiation. And this can pertain to getting a job too. What's it going to cost me? Number one, what is it worth to the client or company? Number three, what do I want in return? So the three questions to avoid regret in negotiation, especially when it comes to price, taking an offer, et cetera, is what is it going to cost me? What is it worth to the client or company? And what do I want in return? We've covered a lot around the communication skill negotiation. And my intent for producing this episode really comes from an experience I had early in my career when I was selling a service. I was doing a consultation with a family and I recall that all of a sudden their kid came out of the room. He was still in diapers and he made direct eye contact with me and we looked at each other for about a second or two and his micro expression, which looked like anger, went to happiness, because he had just went number two in his diaper. And if you were to ask me, well, Paul, what did it smell like as this kid went number two, as you were doing your consultation and negotiation, selling the service, it smelled a lot like ambition and motivation. Now, I don't know where that kid ended up. Wherever he ended up, I'm confident he'll probably be an entrepreneur or CEO of his own company. Because he never broke eye contact. He was tough. He was quite the little negotiator with very few words. And during my presentation via consultation, I put my pen down. I said, you know, if I may, would it be okay if I put on the table that I wouldn't want your kid to be uncomfortable and sitting in number two in his diaper? Would you want to go ahead and make sure he's comfortable first? And we could continue. I'm okay. Don't worry. I'm not uncomfortable at all. And the mother got up, changed his diaper, made a little conversation with the father. She came back and she goes, can I be honest? Thank you for being real with us. Thank you for there was a guy here earlier. We didn't want to tell you this. He's actually a competitor. And um, this happened and he never stopped his presentation or consultation with us. And that family ended up buying from me. So. This content is not to change who you are, and it's not in any way, shape, or form. You gotta be your real self, but you can be a better, stronger version of your real self when you improve on this skill of negotiation. So there are two call to actions I want you to embrace. Call to action number one is pick one area of the internal content you heard today, whether it's the brave analogy or something tangible, and apply it to your skill of negotiation. And call to action number two, Apply one area of the content to your external negotiation, whether you're in sales, customer service, etc. Thank you again for listening, and I can't wait to speak again on the next episode of the Persistence Mastery Podcast, hosted by me, Paul Leon. Take care.